Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. I am here with my co-host, Brad Binkley, and we have quite a guest today, somebody you may have heard before. We've put it uh, our conversations with him in the feed, but this is the first time that he is a guest on our show. This is Noble from the CFR Network, and he is, in my mind, an insight, a look into someone who thinks really is an original thinker, comes from his own perspective, reaches across the ocean, across cultures to talk to other people from different walks of life without judgment. To the point, I must admit that sometimes it makes me uncomfortable. Some of the people, who, <laughs> some of the things that people say on your show, I'm just like, does Noble agree with that? And like, you'd never know because you're just like, hey, man, you got to say what you got to say. So it's really I think it's really cool and interesting. You really give us a window into the, the thoughts of other people. People aren't necessarily polished at podcasting, but who come from really interesting points of life. I find your work very, very interesting. So I welcome you. We welcome you. And we just really want to get to know you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You are most welcome. And I, it is an honor to uh, grace your platform, uh, guys. It is a, a very much an honor. And I think you've, you've pretty much encapsulated it all, really. I think if we were to put it into uh, uh, two words, exploration of the human experience. You really do that, too. I can only explore the human experience within the confines of my own experience. And that's <laughs> a weakness of mine. I go in, not out. But the way we connected is that you we're on the Union of the Unwanted uh, from time to time. And you were on the International Union of the Unwanted. So you are and I actually know another couple of podcasters from England. And my experience with them, what they seem to say is that it's actually harder to find people who are open to a larger truth there than here. So I, I was I want a little bit of an insight about your your community just being over in England, but also your specific community. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal background and just so we can kind of get a sense of yes. your perspective and then we can dig in? So where would you like where would you like me to start? Should I go all the way back or should we start from my, well, what's my your awakening? Accent? <laughs> So heritage wise, my parents are from the Caribbean, as y'all say, the Caribbean, St. Kitts and Montserrat, where there was a huge volcano in 1996. Um, I was born in, in sunny old UK in a, in a wonderful place called Birmingham, as you call it. I know it's Birmingham. Birmingham. That's where Peaky Blinders is. <laughs> exactly. Peaky Blinders is from Birmingham. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, yes, growing up in Aces, uh, a very different place to what it is now. Uh, very multicultural. Grew up with lots of different people and stuff. Um, uh, Roman Catholic background in regards to a sort of religious stance. And if we then fast forward a little bit um, to... 2001, 9-11, that's when a lot of things for me changed dramatically in regards to my outlook on life, the world, my place in the world. Because if I, if I dip back a little bit, um, I've always asked questions, always asked questions, why, who, where, why, you know, <laughs> how, you know, why are we the way we are? Why is this differences in people and physical differences in people? But at the same time, there are either good people or there's bad people. So all I see is the, 
the good versus the exterior, should we say? Okay, I have I could probably ask you enough questions to get through an hour just based on what you just said. <laughs> so I, I you just said something that very few people really say, like, why are there physical differences in people? And I read a book about I don't know what what exactly he was, maybe cultural philosopher. I don't know. But Christopher Dawson, it was from the mid 20th century Europe. And he was saying how like culture, culture and the environment interact to the point where human beings reflect their actual physical surroundings over time, like race, culture, environment, um, interact with each other in the very long term. And so I wonder now that you're mentioning that like immigration, abrupt transatlantic immigration, maybe interrupts that that process. Maybe there's something a little difficult about that, but it sounds like you've got your own kind of melting pot in Birmingham, the way I grew up in a melting pot in New York. And I didn't, I actually liked it. Do you, is there, you know, is it, is it harmonious in your experience? Do you feel like it's been weaponized? Like, cause there's it's, so much that so much political controversy around immigration, but I just wondered culturally, how do you feel? Going back, as I say, growing up, no, it was, as you, I would imagine you can recall, it was so many different people. It was a melting pot. There was the occasional bits and pieces. But as I say, if we fast forward into the, the latter years of the Gregorian calendar, it has totally been weaponized. It's, it's divide, conquer, highlight the differences of, between everybody, spotlight the negative elements between each uh, so-called ethnicity, race, culture, and let's see how the chips lie. So did we lose you? Oh, no, I'm here. Okay, I'm here. good. Okay, so yes. here's the, it just ended abruptly. <laughs> so, here, so here's a question. So you, you point out, the high, you highlight the negative about each each group that's very interesting that is exactly what they do because they're the negatives you have to forgive each other for the negatives i mean we're only human like you could look from thomas jefferson to martin luther king and find flaws obviously mm. and that's not what makes you know the human the nobility of man so noble that uh the nobility of man is based on the strengths not the weaknesses so it feels like kind of an evil thing to um emphasize the weaknesses and you actually identify good and bad good and evil not everybody thinks in those terms and i think that one thing that really gives you and your show like the strength to um to tolerate other people's views is that you are very secure in your own views. And I know I've tried to get you to define them <laughs> and it's, it's obviously Bible based Christian based. Yes. I was listening to your um, out of the box interview with Soros. Oh, I don't know. Yes. Holy crap. Like I was just like, dude, wow. He, he just, he, yeah. that was raw. So but it seems like there's like a Rasta influence in your Indeed. Christianity. And I was just, uh, you know, I wondered if you could give a little Elaborate. color on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's through the journey, through the, the my journey to get to where I am now. And uh, a statement I like to always make is I, I love where I am now, but I can't wait to get to where I'm going to. So to emphasize and to highlight that this, this journey we call life um, is a, is a forever evolving and changing thing. Everything in life is subject to change. So based upon that, me coming up as a, as a Roman Catholic and then me 
becoming a teenager and falling totally away from all that stuff and shunning everything that was to do with mainstream uh, media, uh, religion, anything that was mainstream, I just wasn't wasn't interested in one bit. Um, and then starting to study, I think it was the early thousands, starting to study the, basically all, the majority of the major religions. So going through the Abrahamic, the, uh, the three maybe Abrahamic faiths, looking at the Eastern sort of Buddhism, um, Zoroasterism, all of those sort of Hindu Sikhs. So really looking at a picture to find where are the commonalities, where do people get their ideas, where do the cultures come from, and how can we, how could I navigate through maybe a Punjab um, heavy area and find conversational uh, connections? You know, uh, can we talk about geographical parts? Can we talk just about religion? You know, so it's it's trying to be as holistic as possible. That's interesting to me because I I decide I don't know I, I don't know if I'd call my experiences so much of a journey, but like there was I have a lot of aha moments, and I just kind of went for the this idea that. Historically, we are told that there was a time when questioning the existence of God was kind of unthinkable. And now I feel like the idea is like questioning the necessity of this kind of monopoly government by force is unthinkable. And I thought, you know, what is really why do people think that we absolutely need government? It's probably the exact same reason they felt like we absolutely needed God. And it's really got two elements that are common among all the big religions that I can tell, which one is behavior. You're supposed to control yourself and have good behavior and, and really good behaviors. Generally, I would say by the majority of people on Earth, who are part of religion defined mostly the same way. And then also charity, like your good behavior is not only to self self-control to not be bad, but actually to kind of there, but for the grace of God, go, I, I always think of it as you could even think of it as a superstitious talisman, like go ahead and give to the poor because you could be that person if it's somebody's like lame or whatever. So there should be a lot of commonality among people who have values like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's like a lot of hope and strength in there. So I do believe that that is a direct challenge to the government who wants us to believe that human beings are not capable of that kind of self-control and charity and that you would just be at the mercy of the winds if if it weren't for them. So they try to undermine those connections. I almost wonder if immigration is a part of that, like they want you to think that having those cultural differences, those religious differences make it impossible for us to connect and trust. Each yes, other. 100, 150,000 percent, because what they do is they they create a system through the mid 90s here in the UK where they started to um, shut down all of the barriers and, and controls in regards to parenting. So then you have parents who basically have a, a friendship with their, their offspring, their progeny, rather than an adult and child relationship. So there's no boundaries. There's, there's, there's no sort of, there's no rules of sorts in place. So that then breeds, I am in essence, a young adult, even though I've only just turned 14. So what that means is what I'll do is I'll go out and I'll, I'll have um relations with somebody and i'll bring forth life even though i'm you know clearly not in the mental physical or financial position to do so and then the the, the government the govern your mental will then financially say we will give you a home 
We will pay all your all of the the, the, the council tax. Um, we'll pay you rent, and we'll give you money to to basically sustain yourself. And then that breeds two or three generations of people with no aspirations, no goals, with, with no sense of purpose, except for signing on every two weeks or just literally sitting at home, smoking cigarettes, watching television and getting paid every two weeks or every month for is. And then that divides the people who are working nine to five or maybe 10 to 12, you know, working every day and getting taxed to hell and don't have hardly anything to to really do anything with. And then they've got to go to a food bank to supplement their own income. Are you talking about Joe Biden's Build Back Better infrastructure plan right now? (laughs) It sounds like a mirror image, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like people are they they're making people into pets or zoo animals and that it just it really that system that you're talking about is soulless. Like it makes the people think of themselves as just consumers Mm -hmm. and to bring children into the world like that, like you point out, it's hard enough to to bring out the nobility of man to cultivate the soul in a person mm-hmm. by having like a uh, an intact family with two people who really work hard to to teach a human being how to really harness the power and the responsibility of being human. Yes. And this is the exact opposite. And it's meant to undermine. And then when we don't respect ourselves or they tell us that we can't make it on our own, we've been so dumbed down. Like there's a lot of evidence to support that. <laughs> and people think that about themselves. I mean, that's where how we got into this position. People are just fear based and have no sense of any control. That's why the whole COVID thing just descended probably more on the Western world. In Africa, if you look like the vaccination rates, a world oh, no. map, how here's a question for you. How How could you possibly explain that Africans of all people are the ones who will be spared the the purge or whatever? Like that is the one thing that makes me think that we do not know the full picture about these vaccinations. There's absolutely no way they're like, well, we'll just let all the Africans get away with it. (laughs) I'm not seeing that. Well, if you remember, the first thing that they wanted to do is they wanted to test the said um, thing over in um in that continent of africa and they were kicking off same way i mean it will, how are we all of a sudden the guinea pigs for for western europe's medicine you bill gates has already come over here and done all kind of atrocities oh. and we're you know so yeah, the kenyan we, tennis shots yes right so the shots and so also they did the, try and they you think that they were they were they didn't expect this to happen Culturally, like that, it wouldn't get the resistance in Africa. I I think that they well, I think that certain pockets, mainly in northern Africa, would have bought sports more into it. Um, but based upon them, the mysterious deaths of how many is it? Seven prime prime ministers. Oh my god! No, it's like fifty-two. I count. I count the Haitian guy, Moise. Oh, oh, yes, yeah. indeed. I mean, it's strangely. I mean, there, there's got- like a study, like a university study, like why did uh, 52 African leaders die in the last 18 months? It's like, and they try to explain it. It's like, I think that's just. There's no way you're answering that question in this paper, but I'll put the note. I'll put a link to that. Yes. Well, look. No such thing as common sense, as we've, we've established for quite some time. Um, but there is something called sense. So numbers don't lie. One and one equals two. <laughs> if, if, if some powers are saying, wait a minute, 
we are dubious about all of the claims that are being made. We're going to taste um, test papaya, motor oil, <laughs> goats, <laughs> and and they're all going to come back positive with COVID. Wait a minute, I think you guys are lying somewhere. We 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 respect our people. We're tyrants to a point, but in regards to what you're planning, guys, right. we're not about you know we're not about that kind of thing. Yeah, that that is tricky, is that you look at the people who are targets of the Western powers and you want them to be heroes, but they're really not. Nobody's a hero who gets that anywhere for any reason. But I did want to point out now that you mentioned it, that perhaps they underestimated. I mean, they, I always feel like the Obama phone and also they gave out a bunch of TVs under Obama and they gave cash for clunkers. They totally wanted to modernize the poor here. And I feel like that was all about technological control and also the power of propaganda through those media. So maybe and I always thought this about my mother. The reason my mother is still alive is like she's just too poor to eat junk and she doesn't have dishwasher microwave like she just she has a little microwave. It's like it's she knows better money, but she She just knows. No, I think she just doesn't have access to all the things that really probably make you sick. And I feel like that maybe in Africa, maybe it's the poor people, if they don't have the Obama phone or whatever, they're actually not getting the propaganda. They they say that's why Spanish speaking people in the U.S. who haven't learned English yet actually live longer because they just can't be propagandized. That's why they want to connect the world. That's why they want to bridge. It's called the the Hispanic paradox. Yeah, the digital divide. That's why they're trying really hard to make sure they get the Internet and 5G to rural areas is because they can't. But the the speed of communication, they can instantaneously spread a message around the world right now, except to people who are not connected to it. And that is why there is a push for really what Zuckerberg's pushing for now is the metaverse where everybody just lives in literally in the matrix. But. You're right. That's uh, Lenin taught people in rural areas in Russia to read because he, he can't propagandize people with the uh, print unless they know how to read. There's absolutely something to what you're saying. And the origin of of the written word apparently was uh, tax records. And maybe even the, the law. Thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, you, If you want to respond, Noble, but I had a couple of things I wanted to. No, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. Um. So one time he said, this is complete non sequitur, but one time he said something to me that just like I didn't understand or uh, I tried to understand, but and mm-hmm. I could, couldn't figure it out. You I think you were questioning some of the narratives. Uh oh, <laughs> Binkley has a friend there. Can He's you see that? Yes. <laughs> staring. That that looks like a dog who wants to go out. You can take a minute if you want, Pinkley. We, we okay, could carry I'm, on. I'm going to do you. that if you guys don't yeah, mind. Yeah, sure. no, as long as we can still hear each other. So, okay, Noble. So here's the question. Um, Binkley's going to miss a good one. So I think you said something, and you're not the only person I ever heard say this, but yeah. our understanding that, that the, the slavery narrative in oh. the U.S. or around the world, whatever, has been manipulated. And I don't, I just didn't, this was new to me and I haven't been okay. able to figure it out. I do plan. Thank you very much for bringing out, bring, bringing this point up because I do plan on doing a specific broadcast about this and bringing on maybe one or two guests to go into some detail, which I don't particularly um, potentially have. But what we discussed and what I, what I proposed <clears throat> is the number of the transatlantic slave trade, which was bringing Africans from the shores of West Africa in boats, wooden boats, 
1400s onwards um, to the Caribbean, South and Central America. Now they prop they they give numbers of of is it twenty million slaves dying? Oh yes, just just dying right <laughs> through that 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 process. But then they talk about I've seen the, the numbers are always skewed. Some say a hundred odd million. Some say hundred and fifty million. Yeah, this is what reminded me to ask you this. I was watching a show the other day. I forget even what it was. And I think I have a friend from Cape Verde. And Cape so Verde, anything, yes. Yeah, anything that's about Cape Verde, I just watched that. So I was watching and I thought it was that or a neighboring island where they said that, oh, this was the the building where 60 million slaves were sold on uh, through this building. And I'm thinking 60 million, like yeah. how how many what was the population of Africa that during that yeah. period of time like that is a fucking lot a lot of people it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's unfathomable I mean it, it's again I'm just trying to utilize logic and I'm 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 putting myself okay we're in the 50 we're in the the, the, the 14th century late 14th century we, you know with we're, we're rudimentary in regards to navigation and stuff you know um Christopher Columbus, a.k.a. Christopher Colon, had much help and it's written in his own diary, his brother Pizzo's diary, that the Moors were navigators and gave him the routes to get to where they were going. So, again, six to six to 12 week voyage from Africa to to the Americas. Now, let's let's picture that because we've, we've got we've got not necessarily photographs, but we've got images of, of people packed in the bottom of ships like sardines now let, let, let's let's take the emotion away from it and let's just think logically six to 12 weeks on a boat going across the atlantic with crazy high waves and all kind of stuff they're all shackled apparently against their will how much food are they going to need number one number two the most vital thing in those six to eight weeks Where's the water coming from? What's the water source? Because it's, they're surrounded by a huge water source, which is, you know, got sea in it. I mean, yeah. salt. <laughs> That's not going to work. So it's, 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 it raises so many questions. It raises so many questions in regards to, number one, the number. I do think clearly people were transported. I'm not going to deny that fact. But what I am denying is the, the, the number of people that they're saying. That they and took. the manner in that. It wouldn't be even economical to do it like that. Like you wouldn't pack people. You probably would end up with people who were ailing, even if yes. they survived. And that isn't really what you're looking for. Right. You're looking for machines to put it. Mm. So so here are two, two other things. So um, I believe it was that's why the number maybe rang a bell to me, but that in all of the Americas, when Christopher Columbus landed in 1492, it is estimated that from um, whatever, from the Arctic to the Antarctic, there were 60 million indigenous people. Indeed. So that, I mean, I don't know what the landmass of Africa, I don't know how much more populous it was, but it seems to me like, yeah, that, that number seems high. However, I, I was never really concerned with it, except for that, um, that, I heard someone else say that the story of the American Indian enslavement has been undertold. And I actually never even thought that the American Indians were slaves. And now if you if you scratch the surface on that, 
you see that I, I really have to read the book and everything. It's kind of expensive book. I haven't got it yet, but, <laughs> uh, but that, that there, maybe there is an untold story there. And it, I don't it, even know why they would want to change that narrative, but I feel like well, there's something there. Think about this, Mademoiselle and Senor. The, in Webster, Noah Webster's dictionary, Americans are, class, uh, are described in that dictionary as the copper-colored races of the Americas. We look at the diaries, again, going back to the diaries, not someone else's tertiary you know, information directly from the source. And they describe when they shipwrecked who, who, that they were met by Indians, Indios. And they had, they also described them as um, Ethiopians. Brown skin, curly hair, some with dreadlocks. Um, I don't think they went into the actual features of noses and that kind of stuff. Well, the basic is that they were brown people with dreadlocks, very friendly, very, very friendly. Didn't know about guns and all that kind of stuff. They welcomed them in and gave them food. So that denotes the, the Taino Indians, the um, Arawak Indians who allegedly were killed off, but I, I don't necessarily believe that. And the Carib Indians who the Caribbean is named, <clears throat> excuse me, is named oh, after. Oh, really? Yeah. So then again, so we've got that interaction taking place and we've got um, Central America, the Indians. Hold on. But didn't we just establish that the Moors were great? Um, yes. Navigators. So just like the Vikings went to Canada, <laughs> why would, right? Yeah. So I always it. thought of the, um, even in Tierra del Fuego, I thought, well, they were just Russians who went through, you know, and it just doesn't make sense now that you mention it. It, it really you know, doesn't. It can't it re- have. Because I was like, if, if, you know, like I, they say it, maybe Africa went, if Africa was the origin of all human beings and they turned into like Scandinavians, supposedly within like 40,000 years. That's the outer Africa theory where they talk about the pigmentation based upon light and stuff in the cold. Yeah, but weather. then how does that, how would that explain people in Tierra del Fuego over however many tens of thousands of yeah. years? You know what I mean? Like they shouldn't yeah. look like a combination of, you know, or like yeah. Inuit look like Asian and they've been there for 12,000 years. Like, hey, they should be halfway to Scandinavian by now. Exactly. So, so parts of so-called history, does, does, it really does not tally up. Me personally, I, the Americas, as, as it's known, and the Caribbean, and the Caribbean, Caribbean, it's one in the same place. It's one in the same place with many different quote-unquote tribes of people who were originally there. Christopher Columbus came and he took those people, he spread them around different islands, you know, then took people from Central, Central America or South America, took them over to the islands, took the people from the islands. And that's what was happening. That's what the triangle of sort of slave trade was, 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 was really, was, that's where the actual workforce was coming from. Oh, yeah. In my because, humble opinion. Yeah, actually, I read this in a book I like, Against the Grain, where he said that since the beginning of time, this is where I learned that thing about writing being basically tax accounting mm. that since the beginning of time, the urban, like the civilizations, quote, the c- cities had to draw immigration even to this day from yeah. less citified places because cities eat people. Mm-hmm. 
and that you have to just keep. So the trade would have to be it's really just a replenishment of labor into something that feeds as opposed to like a permaculture thing or garden of Eden thing, which is probably the natural state of a healthy human being. Yes. So that's where we get that's where we can dispel and kind of understand what, you, you know, clearly there is there is an African presence here in America and pre-Columbus, we might add as well. There's a great book by Ivan Van Sertema. They came before Columbus. I recommend everyone get that book. Ah, okay. um, it talks in great depth with lots of um, references as well. So, you, so it can be backed up as well, that there was a presence in, um, of Africans in the Americas well before Christopher Columbus came and then, you know, the, the, the modern day sort of slavery, a.k.a. Um, slavery. Yes, I know. Slavs. <laughs> it's just funny that it's, it, it, it's maybe race based, but it was Slavs. Exactly. First. That is that is. So. So, to t- I mean, when we say slavery, the first thing you think of is brown or black people, however you want to denote them, not where the actual term comes from. Um, if we want to if we want to be really technical about it. There were prisoners of war. Exactly. It was prison labor. <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible like people don't want to hear that. And, and it's absolutely wrong to trade people. And the people who I mean, the vast, vast majority of slaves, as far as I know, were um, if the, if I if the story is true, they were actually captured for the purpose of becoming slaves. But part of that, I think of the origin of it, like with the Greeks and the Roman mm-hmm. times, you know, even then they probably I would I am sure that they grab some Greeks because they were good at stuff. You oh, know? Yes, but, but that yes, I mean, I'm sure it goes way, way, way back to where it was. You could either be killed or if you killed a person's um, source of income, a family source of income, then you would be owe that owe the life to the yes. family and then have to work at mm-hmm. it. So everything has a ha, everything has a as an origin story. Totally. And, and, and there's a difference between serfdom, servitude, and being a quote-unquote slave or a prisoner of war, those are very different things. The majority of the people who dwell, you know, who are who are the the offspring, the the ancestors, they were serfs. You know, Australia was a a, a penal colony for Europe. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what their narrative is like. <laughs> I wonder if that would they have the indigenous, you know, that I'm sure they just took land. Oh, so this is what I want to ask you. Two things about that. One is so I I'm pretty confident in my ideologies, but I wonder the thing that I think is the ultimate ideological question at all times is basically how do you assert property ownership? Not like personal property, but real property. So if the indigenous people of America, there were 60 million people from stem to stern. Now there's maybe a billion. So we could make more use of God's gifts Mm -hmm. to survive, to have a billion people. So be fruitful and multiply may require agriculture. I'm not saying that it does. I'm not making that point. I'm just trying to get to the origin of property rights. So they came over and they're like, okay, you get to decide that all the bison herds are yours and you can just like run them off for a cliff and (laughs) leave me to ride. I'm not even saying that that story is true, but like it would that be an okay thing? Is that a way to assert? Well, we just own the whole continent and there is no room for new people. I mean, do you have you thought much about um, that that question of of expansion of natural immigration of uh, origin property rights? Generally, I mean, if we go back to the origin of it, it would have been, you know, uh, you would have been a lot family land would have been allotted to family. 
and then we go further and further down the lines, then we may have a war with a neighboring nation or tribe, and then that tribe will then seize your land. Um, and then if we then transport this into the, the, the presence, we have corporations and dictators, the powers that should have never have been, who have made imaginary lines everywhere, lines of borders, which mean absolutely nothing. I mean, growing up, I thought, <laughs> I didn't know that like Brazil and all that was connected to like Texas and all, Texas. And I thought America was on its own. I, I thought America was on its own and I thought Canada was on its own. I didn't think it was literally one land. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought about <laughs> Brooklyn and Queens. They were, but they were on Long Island, I think. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> It's, yeah, I thought if they were there five boroughs and I thought they yeah. were like five islands. I five just couldn't separate. figure it out. Mm. So but part of that, part of part of, I think, what um, disrupts an organic feeling for ownership of land and migration and stuff is that we have now these even Christopher Columbus is like and maybe maybe it wasn't that different from the Moors, but maybe it was in that it it triggered an abrupt, radical, artificial movement of people mm. intentional. And that gets me back sometimes to like the whole tech question, which is it, I, I'm I'm such a city girl. I'm such a libertarian. I'm all of these things. I love the creature comforts. I, you know, I'm picky about cocktails. Like I'm the last person who wants to go back to <laughs> permaculture or uh, Ted Kaczynski or whatever. But you always have to wonder if technology is kind of the root of all evil or so. I hate to even say it because you said it, you because you said Said his name. The I, name know, that should I know. Never be spoken, Ted Sorry. Kaczynski. Uncle Ted. Yeah, he said it. He, the manifesto was. It was. It was like, wow. How did he come up? And well, we know how he came up with it because he was a, clearly a very intelligent man. And the, the CIA did that flipping experiment with him yeah. in the universities. Oh, that's it. So, technology is a wonderful thing. We wouldn't be doing what we were doing now, what we're doing now, if it wasn't for military dominance, who then created this platform 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe even 60 years later. As consumers, we then utilize and reap the rewards of military technology. I know. And the, and the propaganda also has the origins of military technology. Mm. It's. It's frightening. It's very frightening. Um, I, I agree. Technology is the it's it's the springboard for humanity, but it's also the decline of humanity. I think people it, what purpose? Everything has a purpose. The simple analogy: knife and fork. We use that daily to eat with. If someone bursts into your home, you've got a knife and fork to defend said self with. Yeah, so it's all about the application of what we're using. So technology is a wonderful thing. And I try to limit as, my exposure to technology as much as possible. Where, well, as much as I can. Um, in the nature of what we do, we have to interface and interact with technology to promote certain things and to interact with people. So, but outside of that, as, you, as we're talking about the propaganda elements and, and the decline of humanity, that's the elements that we need to sort of chop away slowly but surely yeah and that those are the technologically 
the elements that they are getting more and more sophisticated with, with the, the social media platforms and the internet and what they're trying to do with, I said metaverse earlier, Zuckerberg wants to create this metaverse where people can physically interact, like step into your computer and physically have an experience with another person and don't, and live your life socially, economically, politically, just in this VR augmented reality world. Like they're changing Facebook's name to more reflect that Facebook does this instead of social media. That's kind of been what this sounds like Alison McDowell. And it sounds crazy. And the idea of technology being good and being bad is absolutely true, but it's getting so, so sophisticated and so real. Like at least they're trying to make it real. Like do you remember the Pokemon experiment that people had where people were doing the Pokemon go, the augmented reality and they're walking. I think they were mapping with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I kind of, that's kind of what I, I visualize that at at a more advanced level with this metaverse type thing. And it's like people have to exercise a godlike level of self-control in order to not let it be a negative experience because you're going to have, if what Zuckerberg is talking about actually comes true and it it won't be, you know, tomorrow would probably be 10 years, maybe something like that. Then people will have all of their deepest desires at their fingertips and they, they could, they wouldn't have to do anything really. They might have to pay for it inside this metaverse, but you can just be the most decadent person Westworld. That ever existed. Or see Westworld? That, yeah. That, or that, what? That film with um, Bruce Willis in it. And they've got surrogates. Surrogates. Yeah, that's surrogates. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. I've been thinking about that for a while. Well, I could break but, that movie up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that would be the thing about when, when Noble was talking, I was thinking the technology, because I know you're bent and I want to get a little bit into that, but that you're you're very moral person and religiously grounded. I want to just call you religious. Some people don't like that expression. I'm, I like it, but uh, so the technology we, we are made to be, that's why I love your name noble because the nobility of man is something that I really try to emphasize. And I actually, I had a family crest from like my really poor relatives in Ireland and I and my mother showed it to me and it, and it was Something to the effect of virtue ennobles man, virtue ennobles man. And and so I feel like we can we can say we need permaculture and no tech because we really are animals and we can't control ourselves. Or we can say God gave us this um, ability to have abstraction because we are the noble man. We are not. Um, an animal. And with that becomes responsibility. We really have to have very high expectations of ourselves, which from those to whom much has been given, much will be expected. And that isn't necessarily what you think it is. It can be just simply to be able to accept all the temptations or all the challenges and continue to maintain that um, nobility, noble spirit, and that we have that responsibility. And the mind can, the mind can control these things. But, and I think maybe that's where, what Binkley was saying comes in. I think that the, uh, propaganda is is that's why propaganda is the most important thing. It's the most powerful thing, and it's meant to control the most uh, powerful weapon that we have. And this Facebook thing that you're talking about, Binkley, sounds to me like they're actually it's like a pro- propaganda um, incarnate. It's it's not even just like propaganda of the deed. It is propaganda become the world, and then you know, that might even be harder for us to control. But I think the answer is probably always the same. 
maybe Binkley has an answer and I and I'd like to know Noble your answer, which I, I think may come from a spiritual place. Binkley? Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, they, from a propaganda perspective, having people live in a digital world, it's you can transmit an emotional experience of something this completely never actually happened and that that in their minds it is a reality and it was part of their lives but it never actually happened and they never had a chance to think about it but you can just literally put it into their brains and bodies and their souls and they think that they experienced it and felt it jim keith writes about that in mass control mind control he talks about the real experiments they had where they would physically implant stuff into your brain and make you think that you had experiences now that's dangerous territory okay Nova, let's hear what you have to say you hear upon a key word which is responsibility that is a massive word and i think we we, we as as human beings as infallible fallible <laughs> Fallible. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Flammable and inflammable. We don't grasp the, 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 the keys of what that, that truly means. Oh, he says, I'm responsible for that. I'm responsible for this life. But, but what does that actually mean? You've, you've, you've done the lateral lambada and then chromosomes have come together a spark and the most high has brought forth life with, with, you know, with the aid of these two people. Oh, you're now responsible. Well, what does it actually mean? You know, what is your responsibility? Um, your responsibility is, is number one, to do your best. Sometimes you may make mistakes and through you being responsible and learning from said mistakes, this is where we don't fall out of the boundaries or out of line um, with what the actual goal is, with what the responsibility is. The responsibility is, is to, be, to be kind, loving, sharing, and, and be the best version of you that you can be every day. Now, interfacing this with technology now, again, the responsibility is, okay, I'm on these social platforms. Who's watching me? What, what do I actually want to achieve? Do I just want to create a profile and just basically, you know, just basically look at other people, my neighbor on Facebook and that kind of stuff? Or do I actually want to leave some dent in humanity, whether it be big or whether it be small? Do I want someone to, to, to think of, oh, Steve, he was, a, he was a real quiet guy, but he was an honest guy and he worked hard and he was always trying to help people. What 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 will you, people say about you when you're um when when you're gone? That little dash in between the start and the end date that is the most important thing. I wanted to so on that. This is going to be a segue into something I want to talk to you about. So, what do you want to achieve in your presence in the work that you do? Because I want to you do you, the stuff that you. A lot of most of the guests who you have on your show, the CFR network are like MMA. Right. I've heard hip hop <laughs> guys there, sex yeah. workers. Yes. Um, and I just what is your what 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 do you want to achieve? What are you doing? Well, two things with, with CFR network outside of exploring the human experience across the board. It's about leaving that imprint and that imprint is keys for your own success so throughout the plethora of podcasts that i i've done and have been involved in 
at some point, maybe just one sentence has made you think, wait a minute, I've been doing that and I shouldn't be doing that. Or maybe I need to try and implement that into my life now. So it's all about inciting everybody to think. And even if it's not a job about changing their own life, just think, like, should I be, should I pay attention to what's on the box and, and religiously regurgitate everything that's said? Should I challenge? When should I challenge? Should I be a kinder person? You know, and also what ultimately is everybody else's purpose? Why, what were you brought here to do? So it's a combination of trying to impart information, challenge, ask questions, and to spark that, that little thing that's in the back of your head saying, go for it, do it. That's what I need to be doing. I shouldn't be in the position I am now. I shouldn't be in the relationship I am now. Um, I should be in this space. See, one thing that I, the thing that I find unique and most valuable about your conversations are the MMA. So let's just put it in those three categories right now, which isn't everything. Obviously, I was on your show, so it's not everything. But just like the things that I think are really interesting, the MMA, the hip hop and the sex workers, because in those three fields, there is definitely a tough guy thing that mm-hmm. I mean. And like with the sex workers, it's a, it's a thing where it's not a, it's not it's image, it's projection, but it's it's self-defense. You know, you have to keep up certain barriers, certain image. Um uh, I think what they called in the report from Iron Mountain despised minorities or minority cultures outside black market stuff outside the system. You get that tough guy thing because like with drug dealers in the inner city, they're not calling the cops because they didn't have a successful drug deal. You have to be afraid of them so that you give them their money. Like there's a lot of tough guy stuff, even to the point where there's language and um, ways of speaking that convey something and that people outside the, that, community or industry, whatever, don't really understand the full meaning of don't even understand the words that are being said. And and because of that, it's very hard to connect, to understand those people. It's easy to fear people who who you feel like you don't understand them. It's that cultural thing we're talking about, the religious thing earlier, where if you don't if you don't have confidence that you're on the same team, that you have the same values, you're not working together. And so I, I find it interesting when you connect with those people for all the world to see and and for us to witness from obviously the rapport you develop is because you're totally non-judgmental and in a lot of cases you really understand what they're saying that that's very valuable and that it helps us understand each other in a way that will um, chip away at the fear and mistrust that i consider to be absolutely at the heart of of the problem that if we that is what I have, I have no I have no doubt that we could throw off the shackles of this current regime, the whole covid thing mm-hmm. overnight. If people would just stop being afraid either of trillions of invisible monsters trying to kill us all or um, these giants who know everything, the scientists, priests or the oligarchs yeah. or whatever. It's just all about fear and and but and they know that. So they keep us afraid of each other. They keep us in these subcultures that we can't we can't. It's, it comes back to the responsibility. People at the moment are being babied 
and they enjoy being babied. If you if the television came on tomorrow and said, look, just before you leave the house, just turn around three times and then kick the back of your heel and that will protect you for three hours. Yeah, you won't get COVID for three hours. Yeah. That's it. That's they, what they, they would... tell you. And that's what you do. Social distancing mask. I would like someone to prove to me that social distancing or mask like ever that is even correlated with with not getting. You, know, the you have Joe you know Biden showing how to do that. They'll do a demonstration. Joe Biden will be on a press conference. He'll kick his heels and he'll turn around three times. Like you say, <laughs> totally. Yeah. To demonstrate to the public. I used to say they want you to jump up and down on one leg and bark like a dog like coming to America. Yeah. Like yeah. But this is what it is. People just want to be, they want to follow. They, they don't want to be in control of their own destiny. Only to those points. Like I'm fine picking my own place of employment. I'm fine with picking my own partner. But outside of that, it's all up to you, Mr. Government. Do what thou will. I feel part of that, though, is that we're exhausted. We're overtaxed. We're overworked. I think in the U.S., England's probably similar, but we're the our work ethic is uh, like unsustainable. All, all of the surplus that might have been gained from these labor saving devices. <laughs> they say that people spent more time doing laundry after the washing machine was invented. So <laughs> I feel like we're exhausted. So at the end of the day, I, yeah, I want to have a, a fantastic cocktail and watch dumb tv so i i mean and i know it's just because i'm freaking tired mentally and physically and i think that that is part of it it's not just that we've been dumbed down i think that part of it is that we're full of fear and anxiety and hand to mouth and can't get ahead and all of these things work together intentionally or not i think it's intentional i think combined with that is society as a whole is just really because there's so many distractions and we've kind of been conditioned to fear reflection, self-reflection and, and silence and, and looking within. And when you don't have to look within or when you have been made to believe that you should feel a certain level of guilt about certain things, or, or maybe you should feel guilt about certain things. It's easy to look at a screen instead of sit there and, and think and reflect and grow. And we have unlimited access. It goes back to that responsibility, that self-control is, is we, we are living in a time where we have to, the individual just has to be so super strong and, and so resilient to our own devices that we're using to benefit us because they can help us, but they can also take away the, the, the probably the most important thing, really, there's some of the most important things that we can do as individuals, which is self-reflection, because it's the only way to grow. Growth and development. You have such the- a very soothing voice. Oh, yeah. I, I have to say. <laughs> Dude, listen to his shows. His shows there. I mean, you just ride the wave. Like, it's like it's like um, background music. It's yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the compliments. <laughs> yeah. So the one of the things. So you want to say like one thing you say that changes person's life. You said two things to me, which it takes me forever to act on such things. But one of them mm. was, uh, why do you call your kids? kids kids are they goats like why do you call your kids kids <laughs> and i know but i what i was going to say is like i had a rule for my kids which i hardly ever well i did i implemented it was just very painful that i didn't i didn't like the phones in the kitchen or the car mm. so the kitchen should be family place should be a place where you you know enjoy the food the creativity all of that the warmth and then the car because of what binkley is saying that 
that's when I used to get my best thinking done as a kid, looking out the window, you would talk to each other. You would even have to like share music. You couldn't just listen to some fucking headbanging shit that you could not, you know, nobody else can enjoy. You have to learn how to communicate. That's why actually I prefer, I don't even mind TV so much. TV is like an upside in my house because now everybody has their own devices and they can just go into their own world of ever um, increasing like uh, isolation. And then uh, the other thing that you said to me, and I'm going to get to it, I go to church every Sunday and I do have the Bible read to me in bits and pieces. But I think you were pretty insistent that a girl like me should just read the Bible from cover to cover. Yes. <laughs> I'll get to it. it. Can I retire first or do I have to do it now? Bite sized pieces. It's it's because the thing about it is you will go back. You'll get to you'll get to maybe another chapter, another verse. And you'll think, wait a minute. And let me go back to chapter 24 because that sounds familiar that does or that correlates with over there so it, it's it's a it's a study of it's like life it's forever so you will read it once or twice and you will keep on going back you keep on going back and then you'll go for the extra biblical narratives you did a show recently i was interested in i listened to it it was um, a shorter show. My son read a book called The Salts of Salvation, and it was basically the connection between the Bible, the human body and the Zodiac. And, oh, and you I had a guy talking you. about the apocalypse in that in that sense. And so when you talk about the Bible, because you are really masterful at letting a person say the best interviewers always are like letting I'm not letting the other person really explore what they think without making it feel like it's your your thoughts. So when I was in radio, my boss was like, you can never let people say stuff on your show that you don't agree with unless you tell them you disagree, because then you're going to be painted with that brush. So I, I always had that in my mind, like I had to have a brand or whatever. But but uh, the in your world, you don't do that. And it's much more valuable as far as an interviewing skill. So for so so I don't know what you think about that, but it seemed to me that that um, person was talking about that is the Bible like an allegory for the human body? Or he was saying like the sun is the sun and not the sun, you know, of God. And I can understand it, but do you, does that I, fit into your view? I just some parts of it because he's the, the, the guest um, is a, a total non-religious. He, he thinks it's, it's fairy tales and many people do. Um, a biographical type type sort of hypnotic book. Um, but he does have some keys to some of the information in said book uh, relating mainly to the zodiacal um, elements and, and the planting seasons and, and that sort of stuff. So that has definitely, because the manuscripts is not just a historical, it doesn't have just, um, allegories. It isn't just about the miracle element. It's got so many different things that are encoded within that Bible. He only left you, not 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 like the you know, <laughs> you basic instructions before leaving Earth. I love that basic instructions. It took me a minute to realize that was an acronym. So I have um, before we started, you said that you had you were cooking which is kind of yes. funny. And I wanted to know if you're making a jerk or a pudding. Okay. Uh, it would be a jerk. What it's actually making? chicken as well. Jerk chicken. Yeah. yeah. I just wondered how much of your old culture was happening right now in the background <laughs> of this conversation and how much of your 
uh, new culture? Well, it's an it's a blend. Um, it is a blend. We majority of the cooking is Caribbean influenced, Jamaican and um, Montserratian, but because we 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 were born and bred in good old England, there are some Birmingham influences within uh, <laughs> well you gotta eat what's local right i mean that i mean yes. only because that's what's more available more affordable so what's local? what are they growing in birmingham is the industrial place right exactly exactly i mean so i mean the majority of the food is imported um right. like we can still get everything and we, we we can go to like a, a supermarket and get um green bananas yam plantain cocoa every, you, you name it salt fish it's all imported because there's a there is in Birmingham is there's a, a huge Caribbean um, community and obviously African and East Indian and um, the major centres within each city. London's obviously another huge place as well. Um, so we can still get hold of all of the cuisine. Um, we, it's just hard to get fresh fresh yeah, fishes. That's and it's never going to be as good. But I in my exploration of cocktails, I did a series on Christmas cocktails only to discover that just about all of our Christmas spices are Caribbean. And I had to I had to think that they were so valuable that we'd only use or the English would only use them at Christmas time. So mm-hmm. we so we think of it as a cold. I always think of it as cold weather spices, but they're like all Caribbean. They, the- yes. And that's what revolutionized. Um, I mean, well, sugar, number one, re- revolutionized um, the UK and Europe. And then the, the spices, because like everything was bland. I mean, not to knock English cuisine, but it's not the it's it's not the most flavorsome of, of cuisine. It's getting better. It's yes, because they're experimenting and they're now adding little extra bits of herbs and spices to to, to infuse. It's called infusion now. So it's, it's fusion foods. So it's English fusion with Thai and English fusion with Caribbean or Malaysian, you know. So it, it's definitely getting bad, but a good um, export, which is technically, I don't think is, if you go back history wise, um, fish and chips. I don't think that was actually invented here, but it's it's one of the main things, and that uh, the UK is known for. <laughs> and yeah, pops, you could probably obviously. use some nice jerk spices on a good piece of fish. Ah, no, no, not with no. For people. No, for me, jerk is just, is just for chicken. You, you What's can blackened? It, we blacken our fish. Exactly. Oh. Well, I like you guys are making fish. me hungry. Sorry, I know. <laughs> you know what? I'm kind of starving. That's what I just got home from church and I was thinking to you, I thought you Noble would approve that I just I don't know. Actually, Noble probably wouldn't approve that I just came home from church. That bums me out. I like church. Well, no. Well, look, in your own time, as I said, growth and development, when, once you get to the point when you like, this is the first day of the week, Sunday is the first day of the week. That's it. We do so have. I should be work. going to church yesterday, right? Yeah. Shabbat. Shabbat. Can I just can I just call this the last day and call Monday the first day? Come on. Well, it's the first working day of the week, but it's not the first day of the week. We've got Even to be technical. Technicalities. I know. See, this, is, be... this is where we're going to have to wrap it up, Noble, because I'm all about the chit chat. But when you're going to put the rubber to the road, I got to I got to I got to go. Do you have a recommended <laughs> Bible to read? You're saying you're recommended reading the Bible front to back. Do you have a specific one that's I know for me? Okay, go ahead. No, no, continue, continue. I was say, for I me, stuff. sometimes reading through the Bible, it's it's just really challenging understanding some of the the language oh. and some of the other things. I didn't know if there was 
Just any recommendations? Okay, so it's the um, Taoist and Tao and arts and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? It's yeah, Shakespearean in, in, in tone. Yeah. I think there is just a plain version in just straight English, but I think you'll miss uh, some of the essence of, of the words when they just translate it into, into modern English rather than Shakespearean slash Middle English. Um, but uh, Tyndale Bibles are good. 1611 KJV, and that will hold all of the apocryphal books that were taken out of King the canonized. See, as a Catholic, I was never allowed to look at that. Oh, I forgot what 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 book did we what were we supposed to read again? What was that one called? Oh, well, we just it was just the Holy Bible. They gave it to me on my wedding day. No, it was it's done by a specific author, though. I, I, it has to have, have an imprimatur from the from a bishop. Like it yes. has to be approved from the Catholic church. Yeah, we, we have little red ones over here when we go the for King our... James one. Wasn't that like wasn't that like the Francis Bacon one? We'll get into that in the part in, yeah. in a part two, maybe. Okay. So, so Noble, there's one person I wanted you to talk. So many people have recommended this to me. It was like, um, I think he was on the higher side chat recently. I heard him on Crow Triple Seven. I think his name is Cal Washington. Okay. He he does this stuff where he talks about like the real law that when you go into a courtroom, they're really using mostly merchant law rather than common law. And he gets into some stuff. But one of the things he talks a lot about the Queen of England, and he says that the law, the real law, even the law that she follows in this world is Bible based. And he really gets into it. I think you would have a very I'm not ready, but I think you have a very interesting conversation with that guy. If we can, if we can hook it up, that would be most definitely interesting. I think from, I think I know where he's going to go with it. The uh, 1214 Magna Carta. But yeah, that sounds very interesting. I'll send, I'll put some links to the stuff in the show notes of the show and I'll send yeah. it directly noble and then we can circle up. But it was just such a lovely way to spend uh, a Sunday. This was not work. It First was- day of the week. No, no, no. This is my seventh day. I have to. Otherwise, I'm breaking like the first or second. I don't remember which one. One of the early ones. One of the biggies. So I can't. I can't do that. But uh, anyway. Keep this day holy. Keep this day holy and don't labor and toil. No, I'm just having fun. And uh, and I'm sure you're having fun cooking your cook. And I'm going to go let you eat it. And this was super fun. Thanks. Guys. Indeed. Yeah, thanks Thank you very much. Oh, Thank um, you. Noble. Why don't you tell people how to listen to you and just everything that you want them to know about how they can get some of your really unique and uh, edifying um, conversations? Wonderful. Thank you so much. So all major podcast platforms, if you type in CFR Space Network, um, you should be able to um, find me over there. Social media wise, it's CFR Network on Instagram, The Noble 187 on Instagram and Twitter. All right. So we're going to try to get you on um, Rockfin. We'll actually put this on Rockfin. And we'll put it in our feed and hopefully you get to, although our, our people might be a little put off by your title. I know. I always get, <laughs> what does CFR stand for? I'll actually tell you everybody. CFR isn't the Council on Foreign Relations. <laughs> I, have, I have no links to them. I may be British and people might think, oh, he's the Mason. You he's, know. he's the handler. It, it's funny because CFR is in like half of our titles and videos on Rockfin. Like CFR yeah. says. Yeah. This, <laughs> and it's not good. So what does it stand for? It stands for culture, free dome, and righteousness. 
Wow. Culture, freedom and righteousness. Well, that is a great way to try. It's kind of like, you know, you take you take the bad word and you use it yeah. against them. So exactly. there you go. I love it. Culture, freedom and righteousness. That's awesome. Power. All right, man. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so, so much. Honest, thank you.